Welcome in, everybody. Episode 61 of the Sports Gospel Podcast. We are happy to have you with us. Our Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle episode, if you will. Andrew, do you get that reference? No, I missed it. No. Oh, 61, it's, the it's, movie. It's a baseball thing. Uh, 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 yeah, I've even seen that movie. I should have gotten that. I should have gotten that, uh, that reference a little bit sooner. Underappreciated sports movie, but a good one to crack in if you have a calm... Call him quiet Sunday afternoon. You want some sports movie? Go check out 61. But, yeah, I'd forgotten all about that. And one of these days we'll talk about baseball on the show. It's not going to be this week, but I've got Austin coming up in a couple of weeks and we'll dig into Major League Baseball. It's been a minute since we've done a whole lot of baseball and there's some weird things happening like the Mets being good. So we need to get into that here in a little bit. But this week we're going to focus a lot on basketball, maybe sprinkling some NHL. We have some debate topics to get to. But it's here. It's finally here. The NBA Finals. Celtics, Warriors. I don't know how many people predicted that at the beginning of the year. I've been riding with the Warriors. I think they're the favorite. I'm going to stick with them. And then we have Andrew, who's going to be a little bit uh, adaptable on these guesses and actually using some knowledge when you make your picks. But we're is here. Adap- we're, we're, is adaptable your nice way of saying I've been flip-flopping too much? Now, you've been using... You've been using science and research to adapt to your vision. I think that I think that's like an evolution. You know, you're you're not stuck in your ways. I know mm. in sports we have this thing about oh, you're a bandwagoner, and once you make a pick, you're never allowed to change it ever. But I feel like you've been using fact based research to alter your vision. Yeah, I'm trying not to flip flop, but yes, it's it's been altering my vision um, with as things kind of just unfold. But uh, go ahead. Who saw this out of the Celtics is the, is the point. I, yeah, I mean, early in the season, certainly when uh, the Celtics were sub 500, which if you've listened to any of the TV broadcasts with the Celtics during the playoffs, they've really belabored that point that the Celtics were once a sub 500 team at one point this season. But um, you kind of saw later in the season that their defense had really really picked up and when you've just got a good defense you have a chance and then you have the offensive firepower of a guy like a Jason Tatum and then Brown who's wildly inconsistent but can light it up on certain nights uh Marcus Smart again wildly inconsistent offensively Horford inconsistent offensively but if all their offensive pieces are clicking their defense is always kind of there so it kind of gives them a chance in any and every game. So I'm not going to say I saw a NBA finals run coming, but I, I certainly expected them to be, you know, to make it past the first round, possibly be in that Eastern conference finals discussion later in the season. I didn't see it early. I thought they were, Oh man, this looks like a team that's going to make an early exit. But as kind of the season's worn on, I think, it's become a little bit more conceivable that Boston could make a run solely based off their defense and Tatum taking another step, which apparently he's taking another big step up. And so um, that's, that's really propelled them to this run. Yeah. This whole postseason feels like it's coming out party and 
this is, I know, one of those cliche feel-good things, but Boston has a little bit of that team of destiny feel to them where everything is clicking. They're going in the right direction. Jason Tatum's really breaking out, becoming a megastar. Jalen Brown's having a great postseason. Al Horford found the fountain of youth somewhere. Even guys like Robert Williams, who, do we call him RW3? Can we start calling him RW3? Uh, No, actually, he has a nickname. They call him the Time Lord. That's even um, better. I take back RW3. Yeah. Um, RW3 is, I mean, it's fine, but they call him the Time Lord. So, uh, yeah, he is, we've talked about it before. I mean, I really give him a lot of credit for the defense that Boston has. And if you look at the numbers, I mean, the defensive efficiency numbers, they bear out that he is actually probably the best defender you know, in maybe in the NBA, but certainly on the Celtics roster, which is surprising to some because Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year. Marcus Smart has the reputation, but if you look at the actual tape, if you look at the actual defensive numbers, Robert Williams is actually the more valuable defender. Smart's good, and then you've got Horford, who's a good defender, Decent defender, Grant Williams. So there's your front court. They can challenge any front court with those three guys. And then you've got Tatum and Brown on the wings. You've got Marcus Smart out there guarding the the team's best guard slash wing player a lot of the time. So they have five defenders at all times that they can kind of throw out there. And it's really hard to score against, but... Now they're coming up against a team that might have the answers offensively because of a team that has the offensive firepower that the Warriors have with a Steph Curry, Clay Thompson when he's on, Draymond facilitating, Jordan Poole getting hot. He's really broken out in this playoffs, and I think he's going to have to be big in this NBA Finals for the Warriors to pull this off because – because of all the defensive options that Boston has and how good they are defensively. Is there anything to the experience advantage to the Warriors? We've talked about it before. Everybody knows Steph, Clay, Draymond, Steve Kerr have all been here. You add in veteran players, not the postseason experience, but you've got an Otto Porter and an Andrew Wiggins who have been around. Uh, Kevon Looney's been with this team for a while. And then you add in, Tatum Brown have formed a nice core there. Al Horford's been around for a long time, but not a lot of postseason, not a lot of finals experience and more of a, a young up and coming team. And then also the head coach, Ime Udoka. And also somebody had an interesting point that I had never heard. They brought up earlier that the last, the two times the Warriors lost in the finals, it was to rookie head coaches. I believe it was Ty Lue and then Nick nurse up with the Raptors. So some weird thing where the Warriors maybe sus. I don't know what it is, but they've lost to two rookie coaches before in the finals. Could Yudoka be the third? But is there anything to that experience advantage for the Warriors, or is that just, you know, at this at this point, it's a level playing field? Well, I think that maybe plays a factor in, like, a game one scenario. Um, I think maybe, the, maybe early on in a game one scenario, I think – Watch that in the first quarter. I think the Warriors kind of maybe come out swinging in the first quarter tonight, but kind of as the game wears on and it just kind of becomes basketball. I think there's a little bit of nerves, a little bit of little bit of tightness early on, maybe in like a game one, 
just because of, of the big stage that it is. But I think that fades early on and we, we sort of put too much emphasis on it. So early on in, in like a game one type setting, the Warriors know because they've been there before how critical it is to pull off a game one win, defend your home court. They, they just know how critical it is to defend your home court because if they defend their home court, they can win. Um, so I think it's an, an advantage early on in a series maybe at most, but kind of as a, an NBA final series goes on, that really just kind of fades because then it just becomes about basketball-related things and not so much about this is the biggest stage, this is a big moment. And they are. They are big moments, certainly, but also at a certain point for the players on the court, it kind of just becomes we're just playing five on five, and it's our five versus your five, and we're just in the heat of the moment, and then nothing else really matters. So I don't think it's really that big of an advantage. Are we going to discover a death lineup within the Celtics? Um, I'm not five. Well, I think, I think we're kind of beyond that because the league has just adjusted so much that that's the way every team tries to play. Now, every team tries to play a lineup of death, a small ball five lineup. The Warriors were just the first team, first team to do it. Um, Boston kind of tries to do their thing with taking Robert Williams off, running Al Horford at the five or Grant Williams at the five, uh, bringing in Derek White, playing with a lot of guards with Derek White, Marcus Smart, Tatum Brown, Grant Williams, um, and really spread you out that way. But I I think with um, Kevon Looney being a big part of the rotation, Draymond Green being a big part of the rotation, for Golden State, I think Boston doesn't really have to go that way. They can kind of play – they can play a lot of Robert Williams. They can play a lot of Al Horford like they've been doing. I don't really think Golden State's going to throw too much of a lineup at them that's going to force them to not play those guys um, just because of how their rotation has been this entire playoff. So I think it's it's two teams that match up pretty pretty well – Across the board, you just kind of have wild cards like your Jordan Pools, like your Andrew Wiggins, your Jalen Browns. Uh, you don't know what you're going to get from Marcus Smart or a guy like Derek White or Grant Williams off the bench from Boston. But each team has a solid seven or eight guys that they can trust, and that's about where you need to keep it in an NBA Finals. So I think – we're really looking at a, a pretty good matchup here, honestly. Doesn't it feel like Jordan Poole has really cooled off in the postseason? I'd bring him up because you brought his name, and he was kind of the darling of the first round. And may, maybe it's just I've not watched enough of their games beginning to end, but it feels like they've kind of gone back to leaning on the proven veterans rather than Poole. Um, he really got exposed by Dallas defensively because that is the weakness in his game. Um, every time in the Western Conference Finals that Jordan Poole was on the court, Dallas would immediately have um, whoever Poole was guarding set a screen for Luka Doncic to get Luka Doncic switched on to Jordan Poole, and uh, Luka would just cook Jordan Poole because he's not ready for that kind of defensive assignment. So I, I wonder if Boston will try to do something similar with 
Tatum possibly if uh, Jordan Poole is on the court. Uh, maybe they'll have Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart or whoever set an on-ball screen and see what the Warriors do to defend it. So that'll be something that I'm, I'm watching tonight is how does a uh, how does Golden State handle those those pick and rolls? I think this is going to be. Uh, a big series for Wiggins defensively because I think he's going to get uh, plenty of the assignment. He might be the primary guy on Jason Tatum for the Warriors. Uh, he was the primary guy on Luka Doncic last round. He was able to give Luka some fits, contain Luka as much as any one person can contain Luka. Um, maybe that's the strategy again for Golden State is – can Andrew Wiggins be that primary defender and be excellent at it that like he was in the Western conference finals, they're going to need him to be in. They'll throw clay at him. They'll throw maybe a little bit of Draymond at him, maybe some other guys as well. But I really think they're going to hand over that defensive responsibility to Wiggins a lot on Tatum. And I'm just wondering how they're going to play those on ball screens that inevitably come. You beat me to the punch on that question. I was going to ask you what the most exciting defensive matchup would be. Would it be if it is Wiggins on Tatum, Draymond versus Tatum, or the other way? Is it Marcus Smart versus Steph? You know that kind. Of- yeah, and I, I do think they are going to use Smart on Steph um, predominantly, but also Derek White is a plus defender. They can bring in Derek White. They can maybe even. Um, give that assignment to Jalen Brown every once in a while. Maybe they can frustrate him with Grant Williams. Um, we talked about Robert Williams defensively, and you would think, oh, he's a big man. He can he can play inside, but he's shown the ability to kind of defend guys on the perimeter as well when he gets in those pick-and-roll switches onto a guard. Now, Steph's a little bit of a different story because it's maybe not – like anything they've seen up to this point, Kyrie, maybe a little bit, although I think Steph is on another level above Kyrie. Uh, But like Robert Williams or a guy like Grant Williams, they can do a decent job switching under these guards of golden state. And so I think that's going to be something to watch as well. I, I think the bigger matchup is what the Warriors do defensively on Tatum. Because I, I think Steph, I just feel like Steph's going to just get his. And that Boston may just be okay with the fact that Steph gets his. And then they try to shut down others. Maybe they don't let Clay get going. Maybe they don't let um, Jordan Poole get going. Maybe Steph's getting his, but nobody else is really getting it going. And that could be good enough to, to win this thing. So we'll see. All right. Are you ready to make your prediction, your official NBA Finals pick? Yeah, my official NBA Finals pick is Warriors in seven. They do have the home court advantage. That could be – we haven't really talked about that much. You covered it, but not a – wonder if that's going to come into play at all for them. So that is a nice little feather in your cap to have is the home court advantage. I don't think it's it's so much an, an advantage in the way that you would think. I think – the Warriors understand because of their veteran experience that defending home court in the NBA finals is what wins you the NBA finals. And so I I think they're going to really 
go all out, they're going to put, they're going to put up to a lead and everybody's going to say, okay, here we go. The Warriors have got this in the bag. They've locked this up. This is going to be another title for Steph, Clay and Dre. You know, they, they've got it locked up. And I, I really think it's going to be a case of teams defending home court in, in this NBA final series. So, I'm really looking at a, a game seven, three, three, and both teams have won three on their home court. And then we're back to Golden State for game seven. And I just think it's going to be tight one uh, in that game seven. But I really trust the Warriors in that scenario. Um, I don't know if you watched the end of that game seven in the Eastern Conference Finals, but the Celtics were really lucky to pull that one out because. Miami had every opportunity it seemed at the end when they really had no business being in the game. The Celtics kind of melted down when Miami started making their run and, and golden state can make that kind of run in a game seven scenario. And if you aren't at your absolute best in that scenario, you're going to get run out of the gym by the golden state warriors. So I'm not saying that golden state's going to run them out, but I, I do think they have enough in the tank to win a, a game seven against Boston. At home. Yeah, we did not talk about that. I don't know if the sports world has moved on, but the end of that game, Miami, and like you mentioned, they were right in there. And there's been talk of should Jimmy Butler have taken the shot? He's not the best three-point shooter. He's, I think he's better than people are giving him credit for. But absolutely, I want Jimmy Butler taking that shot. Run down, he's your guy. And I, I talk about it a lot on the show, but how can you not love Jimmy Butler? He's a team-first guy. He does everything you want. Locker room leader, gritty, puts his heart and soul and body on the line for your team. And you have to love and respect Jimmy Butler for what he does on the court. You at least have to respect him. You may not have to love him, but he willed the Timberwolves into the playoffs. He survived life in Philadelphia. He was an unsung hero for the Bulls. And now he's been the straw that stirs the drink for this Miami team. And sure, they may have some three-point shooters around there. But in crunch time situation with the game on the line, of course, I want Jimmy Butler taking that shot if I'm the Heat. Yeah, I mean, I want Jimmy Butler taking a shot. I don't know if that's the one that I necessarily want him taking, but uh, I heard some mention from, uh, I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast. I'm a big fan of the Bill Simmons podcast. Um, they had uh, Jacoby, David Jacoby on from uh, ESPN. Uh, he hosts a podcast with Jalen Rose. And and Jalen Rose was saying, uh, you know, you shoot that t- shot 100 times out of 100 if you're Jimmy Butler. Because I don't think the Heat were going to be very successful in an overtime scenario. Jimmy Butler had played 47 minutes and 49 seconds of that game seven. I mean, he played all but 11 seconds of that game seven. So to tack on an extra five minutes and expect Jimmy Butler to have enough in the tank in a game seven in Boston on the road to pull it out is asking a lot. Um, and it's asking too much for Jimmy Butler, as good as he is, as great as he is, not taking anything away from him, but it's asking a lot for him to go an extra five minutes when he's already played almost 48 minutes, the full 48 of basketball to go another five, go toe to toe with everything that Boston threw at him. That was going to be a no win scenario for the Heat. So in the moment, I was kind of wondering what's Jimmy doing? Why isn't he taking it to the rim? Uh, 
he had Horford on him. Maybe he can take it to the rim. Maybe he can get fouled. Although I think the chances of getting a foul call in that scenario are actually kind of slim because they're more um, willing to let the players play and decide the game at that moment in time in a game seven, which is kind of how it should be. But also Horford's a crafty defender. Maybe Horford knocks the ball away. Maybe he blocks the shot. Maybe they get nothing that way. So he took a wide open three. He's not the greatest three-point shooter, maybe a little better than what people give him credit for. Um, I've got I've got no issues with that shot. I wish the Heat were here instead of the Celtics, but we've got what we've got. And super early prediction, I think you're probably going to be looking at Celtics and the Warriors in the back-to-back final, but we have a whole year to discuss that. I'm going to take the Warriors here, and I don't know that it's as close as everybody thinks. <laughs> Boston may take game one and kind of upset and get everybody thinking, oh, hey, what's going on? Is Boston going to do it? And then I think the heater heat. The Warriors are going to turn it on, catch fire, and I think this one goes six, and the Warriors take it in Boston, in the heart of the enemy, and everybody's going to have to go cry their way back to Southie. So give me the Warriors to use that that expertise advantage to get past the Celtics. Well, I, I certainly hope you're wrong about a Celtics game one win because I – I may or may not have money that says otherwise. Mm. I thought about putting money on that. I feel like the money line is, or the over-under was like 212. And I get that Boston's defense has been playing great. I think they've allowed only like 100 points a game in the postseason. But it's a Warriors game. So I thought 212 is a juicy over-under to maybe get in on. Yeah, I I don't know about the over-under because – we have seen at times that the Warriors are willing to slow things down and they can actually play well when they do. Um, But again, it's a Warriors game. I do think the Warriors are capable of putting it up over well over a hundred points, even on this incredible Celtics defense, but also um, Robert Williams is going to be struggling through knee pain this series. Like he was last series. I mean, that's something that's, maybe not going away until next season. So that could play a factor as well. And that's something to keep your eye on, but I'm just hoping that uh, the Golden State Warriors can, can pull out a game one win here and uh, give me some money by doing so. Would you like to talk about a, our other Warriors adjacent topic? I, I would love to talk about other Warriors adjacent topic. Okay. So we brought this up on last week's show and I did some doodling and notes earlier today. So the question at hand, is Steph Curry a top 10 all-time NBA player? Before we get into it, are you just quick? Are you a yes or no on this question? Hmm. Uh, well, I, I think I'm a yes. Okay. But I, I don't think I'm a the most solid yes on this question. Okay. Because I, I am a yes on this. And if he wins another title, he's absolutely locked in 100%. But I think as it stands right now, even if the Warriors lose, for what he's done to the game, I think he's a top 10 all-time player. I would I would tend to agree, but who are we bumping out? So that becomes kind of the conversation is who whose spot is he taking? Um, who are we bumping out? I, I tend to agree, but... Um, and it also depends on how do you weight finals MVPs because um, he doesn't have one. 
Although I think if the Warriors win this year, it'll be because Steph is finals MVP finally, but he doesn't have a single finals MVP to his name. Um, so that's something he has regular season MVPs, um, unanimous MVP, incredible regular seasons, um, incredible playoff runs, four championships looking for a fifth here, I believe. So, um, yeah, I think the resume is solid from a championship MVP perspective. He's right up there. I really think it's, it's this fifth championship that puts him solidly in that top 10 for me. I'm not quite there yet. I need to see how this series unfolds. I think a fifth championship here, that really, that really cements it for me. But, um, I could be persuaded otherwise. And I, of my current top 10 that I wrote down, I believe he may be the only one who currently does not have an NBA finals MVP, but I'm also counting on Steph having a much longer career. He's, I don't think he's as old as we realize. And he started to dabble into other stuff and he gets injured from time to time, but that happens to everybody. I think you could still have five or six years of Steph Curry in the NBA for him to rack up statistics and have shots of finals MVP. So I don't look at that a whole lot. I'm trying to go through here and look at some of the other guys who are, I wrote down 18 names to have in consideration and guys like, I believe Oscar Robertson, they may not have even given it out when he was playing. He does not have one. Uh, I don't believe Dr. J has one. I'm trying to look his up. Um, so there's a couple guys sprinkled in here who don't have them, but while I think it would be a nice argument for his resume, it's that is a strike against him, but it was not a huge part of the weighted total for me. Yeah, I think I'm with you in the fact that it's not a a weighted total. So, um, who, who are some of the friend? Who are who are you taking out of your top ten to put Steph in? Who's your number eleven player of all time? So, and this this may be controversial in its own right, but the guy that I bumped down to number eleven. So, quick clarification: I wrote down ten names. My top ten are not necessarily ranked in any order. I had who are my top 10 guys, and then I had my guys just on the outside looking in. I had 18 names on the ballot. So the guy who got dropped down to number 11 for me is Shaq. I would agree. So if we're talking our 10 guys, I mean, maybe this is another conversation for another time, but MJ and LeBron, right? I think those are, those are two names in the top yes. 10 that have to absolutely be there. And then beyond that, Russell, Magic, Bird, Wilt, Abdul-Jabbar, right? Absolutely on those guys. Mostly. Yeah, I think you I think you snuck one name in there that I bumped out. But carry on. Uh, which which are those names? Russell. Yeah, I dro- I dropped him out. He's actually number twelve. So so I while I I didn't rank the top ten, but my tw- uh, 11 through 18, I did have a ranking. So, like, uh, you know, if this guy retired, who moves up kind of deal. Ooh, I, I'm sorry. I can't I can't bump a guy that won 11 NBA championships out of my top 10. I but just, how, many, how many teams was he playing against? That's my argument with some of these old guys, kind of the same issue I think you have with Oscar Robertson, I think like Elgin Baylor, Bob Pettit, those guys back in that day, there were like seven teams in the NBA. It's fair criticism. 
Um, but I don't think it, it's fair enough to, to bump those guys out. And then Duncan, I believe Tim Duncan is top 10 player. I do. I have Duncan in there. And I also have Kobe Bryant as well. Yep. So I have Kobe. So those are my, those are my nine. And then I'm, I am also taking Shaq down to number 11 to make room for Steph at number 10. So, so we agree on, we agree on the fact that Shaq is no longer top 10. Steph is taking that spot. So I, the three that I said had to be locked in guarantee were Michael Jordan, LeBron, James, Kobe Bryant. Those three are, you can debate the order. Those are the top three for me. Those guys are in stone cold locks. I think, I think bird and magic are stone cold locks as well. So really there's five locks. So my, my second tier, I'll call them were Kareem, Larry bird and magic Johnson. I think Wilt Chamberlain has to almost be a lock too, but I, yeah, it's, I mean, Wilt did some incredible stuff, some incredible stats. He'd be extremely successful today, but so, I think we're getting, we're getting a little off topic here. Anyways, we're oh, no, this, this is what we're here for. This is what sports radio and podcasting is all about. True. True. I think, you know, we could really, uh, we could really break it down even further, but we, we both definitely agree that Steph is a top 10 player. So I believe he would have he would have five championships. I think that's good enough. Um, he'd be one time Finals MVP, however many time All Star, and he's he's past his peak. Really, he kind of had that three four year peak that we've talked about the 2015 to 2019. Kind of that was really Steph's peak, and so he's a little bit below that, but it's still really good um you can kind of judge how good a guy is by like how long their their peak lasts i think he has a four to five year peak uh in there between 2015 to 2019 that's just really really good so uh this version of steph is a little bit different than the 2015 version of steph but it's still a really good version he has to pick his spots and like you said plenty of career left for Steph uh I mean barring injury he's probably got another five six years of this I would think um yeah easy so this this is his third he's finishing up his 13th season and guys who are around forever your Kobe's and LeBron Carl Malone Bill Russell not Bill Russell, Kareem, those guys have got 19, 20 years. So, and Steph, for as great as he is, shockingly low on the all time points list. But I think if he starts racking up points and climbs up there, if you figure at least a thousand points for five more seasons, he's going to get into that elite category. Yeah. And I, I don't mind all of these guys breaking all these all time points records, but really it's just a, a testament to how long you've played. Um, I like to dig a little bit deeper and look at like the, the player efficiency ratings, the offensive efficiency ratings, the true shooting percentages, the effective field goal percentages, all those kinds of things. But all those kinds of numbers are really good for Steph Curry and definitely justify him being a top 10 all-time player. So um, when you look at the advanced metrics, not just like the counting stats, the, 
I, I racked up a lot of threes. I racked up a lot of points because I played for a long time kind of numbers. Um, it's still really, really good. So I, I don't mind the all-time numbers that he might break, um, but I, I don't really care about them, to be quite honest. And to finish up my top 10 list, even though you told me we were off topic, Shaq, LeBron, Kobe, Kareem, Bird, Magic, Duncan, Wilt, Steph, and the name that I didn't hear you say that I think a lot of people think is out of left field. I'm going Hakeem Olajuwon. I think the best big to ever play. I can't I can't blame you for the Hakeem Olajuwon um, pick. Um, now, I would say, hmm, I don't know about the best big to ever play. Um, when you've got Wilt and, and Kareem and Duncan, um, but he's certainly in that group. He's in that mix, and he has some uh, absolutely unbelievable games as well. And he also has the dream shake, uh, has his own move. So kind of like uh, Kareem has the sky hook. So that's really something that uh, he's got going for him. So I, I love Hakeem. Um, he's barely on the outside looking in. He's just a notch below Shaq for me. It's and I've got the. I think that's what's great about the NBA. You have so many different ways you could go about this, depending on what you care about. Like I think Steph is great because he makes the guys around him better, and he's built a culture and a team and a franchise. It's this great culture. How many other guys can say that? I think that's another thing for Steph. I think that's be another point for Duncan. What he was able to do for the Spurs and build a, a winning culture and help so many other guys around him. I don't know how many of these other guys can say that same thing. Uh, but getting it back, kind of my other top twenty. Shaq, Bill Russell, Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, we haven't talked about. I think he should be in there. Dr. J, Carl Malone, and Moses Malone, both. Bob Pettit, got a lot of MVPs. And then the two guys in the current era that I think could really make this top 10 list interesting to see how their careers go are Kevin Durant and Giannis. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Giannis because um, I currently have Giannis in my top 15. Um, top 15 of all time. So, um, and he's probably number 15 right now. I think he needs another title and another finals MVP. But if he wins another title, I think he's going to be finals MVP. But he already has multiple MVPs, multiple defensive player of the year awards. Um, and you just look at some of the numbers that he's putting out in the minutes in which he's doing it. It's just, it's incredible efficiency. It's some of the numbers that he is putting out are like his points and his rebounds are very on par with like some of Shaq's best seasons of all time. But then you add in the element that Giannis can pass in a way that Shaq never could. He's also not a great shooter, but certainly a better mid range shooter than Shaq ever was. Definitely a different player, but his numbers are like, it's like Shaq with a little bit of a jump shot and some passing, some passing skills with like a sort of a LeBron type passing skills, but not quite on the LeBron level. Um, he's just such a mix of all, all kinds of different things. And then you watch him defensively and he can guard anybody. He can guard anyone on the court. It doesn't matter what position they play. He can guard them. Um, it's it's truly incredible, and so that's why I think he's 
in my top 15 already. He'd, he'd be flirting with that conversation for me. It's he's just so young in his career to compared to a lot of these guys, he could have 10 more years of amazing basketball and storm past everybody. And you, that's what gets tough about the NBA. I think over any other sport is trying to narrow down 20 names. We haven't even gotten to John Stockton, Dirk Nowitzki, Charles Barkley, all these guys haven't even touched on yet. It's just, it's crazy. Kevin how much Durant. Count. Kevin Durant. Isaiah Thomas. Right. Yeah. Um, and you threw out a name like Elgin Baylor. I mean, Elgin Baylor was absolutely incredible. Um, he probably would be uh, thought of more highly if he hadn't taken a, a brief hiatus um, from basketball. Um, I believe to defend our, to defend our country. So, uh, I mean, it was just a different time back then, back in the 60s area. But, like, Elgin Baylor uh, right. was absolutely awesome. Um, little known fact, I mean, I read – I'm a big fan of Bill Simmons. But um, if you haven't yet, everybody should read the book of basketball. Uh, but there's an incredible story about, um, you know, the Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, Lakers, like – their plane almost crashed in Iowa hmm. when they were traveling. Um, it didn't, they were able to make an emergency landing in a cornfield and it landed safely. Um, but they almost crashed in Iowa. There seems, uh, seems to be a thing about planes with celebrities crashing in Iowa that we kind of need to shake that reputation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's one that didn't happen, but that would have been, quite the deal. I'm, I'm glad it didn't happen because, you know, Jerry West and Elgin Baylor, their careers wouldn't be what they were if that plane had gone down. And then we wouldn't have Jerry West, the GM, um, who's also great as being a GM. We mentioned Steph, but um, Jerry West had a, had a little bit to do with that too, because of his involvement in Golden State um, Clippers organization, the Lakers organization. So Jerry West, the player, but then Jerry West, the GM, was also pretty darn good as well. He's yeah. also the he's also the NBA logo, right? Um, so does he get extra bonus points on the all time list for being the NBA logo? I think that's got to be worth some kind of extra credit. I would think so too. All right, a couple of quick things here, and we'll maybe circle back on an NBA topic since we. I'm surprised we agreed on that. I thought you were going to give me more grief on Steph, but that was. It's nice to agree once in a while. Every once in a while. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to give you more grief on stuff, but I, I couldn't. Mm. Couldn't do it. Something else that we've found some common ground on is the NHL playoffs. We are into our conference finals here. Phenomenal series out west with the Oilers and the Avs. I get to brag a little bit because it's one of the few times I've been right here in a while is the NHL finals. I got three out of the four teams right, and we're going to get onto that one team that we hate here in a minute. I've been on Avs Oilers this entire time. I love this Avalanche team. And if you if you are an everyday fan who doesn't really watch hockey and you want to get into it, this is the year to do it. You've got the Oilers with Dreisaitl and McDavid versus the Avs with McKinnon and Makar. And these are kind of your four four of your young up-and-coming guys. It's it's kind of like watching Warriors with Stephen Clay versus Tatum and Jalen Brown for the Celtics. So you're going to get top-tier talent offensively going out of their mind in the first game, I believe it was eight to six and uh, Colorado took the win in that one, but you're going to see crazy scoring here. 
two great teams that I feel like could have this battle for years to come. And then you throw in a Vander Kane for the Oilers, who the weird career renaissance we've alluded to with him come, going out of his mind here in the postseason. Don't know where that Vander Kane came from. I think you're going to be looking at a tremendous seven-game series. Colorado's up 1-0. We've got the second one coming. So when you have a Thursday night, you could watch the NBA Finals and NHL Western Conference playoffs in one night. It's a nice little Thursday. You could. Um, my eyes will be locked into the NBA finals, but, oh, shocking. um, yeah, I can't, I haven't been able to get, quite get on the hockey train, but, uh, sounds like, uh, Oilers apps might be a good series. And then out East, we've got the defending champion lightning who nobody's talking about enough. Them going for a potential three peat, how rare that is in any pro sport. They have been cruising, crushing people, even though they were a lower seed in the postseason, they've turned it on. They dropped the first game to the Rangers, who, if you know the show, if we hate any one team, it's the New York Rangers for constantly proving us wrong, rallied back in both their first round series, actually taking a lead in this one, beating the Lightning in round one or game one of the finals. Uh, Go Lightning. I think this is the point where the Lightning turn it on, and I could see this going maybe six games, but I would not be shocked if Tampa churns out four in a row here and just destroys the Rangers. So go Lightning. I'm sticking with my Lightning Avs finals pick, and Got some phenomenal conference finals in NHL in the NHL. Anyway, you cut it. Um, yeah, I'll hope that the Lightning pull this out. I mean, we were uh, rooting for the Hurricanes when we were uh, together. We were watching the Hurricanes get pounded in Game Six. We were we were poo pooing it and say, "Ah, oh, nah, Carolina going back home. They haven't lost at home, and then they promptly lost at home to the New York Rangers." So. Uh, maybe we, uh, we quit poo poo on the Rangers. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to just pick the Rangers to win this series. Um, and maybe that'll just put the hex on them and, and and the Rangers for good. Maybe that's the deal. The reverse psychology. We haven't tried that angle yet. Yeah. Um, we've been hating on them so hard and rooting so hard against them that I think it's actually giving them life and, and feeling their run. So the run stops here because I'm picking the Rangers to, uh, win and make the Stanley cup finals and these uh, feels wrong to hear and say that, but the great thing about the NHL playoffs, there's no days off, at least for the next week. And they're on accessible TV for a lot of people, TNT or ESPN have it at home or easy to find at a bar, but you get a game every night. They stagger these. So all weekend up, at least through next Wednesday, if the series are both still going, you're going to have a hockey game to watch. Uh, a couple other quick things here, Frank Gore, has officially retired. I don't know if that means he's not going to come back, but Frank Gore, third all-time on the NBA rushing list, according to Pro Football Reference, exactly 16,000 yards. How impressive is that to get right to that number? Can you name the two guys that are ahead of him? Emmett Smith. Correct. And um, Marshall Falk, or no, is it Eric Dickerson? Walter Payton. Walt Payton. Never mind. Way off. And I, what I was kind of curious about is if Frank Gore would try to come back. He played, I believe, 16 seasons for five different teams, which is crazy. And he's the most underappreciated, soft-spoken guy, kind of was the, the last great ground-and-pound running back in an era when it became all about passing. And he had Frank Gore doing his thing, never really getting a lot of accolades. Signed a one-day contract with the Niners to retire as a Niner where he had his greatest days. But he's 726 yards behind Walter Payton. I was kind of wondering, did, would he go for it? You've stuck around this long. You're so close. I know 726 yards is nothing to shake a stick at. That'd be a lot of work for him to do in this day and age and all the hits you take as a running back. But 
part of me was just like, come on, Frank, just go for it. Just one more season. See if you can get those yards. Is there, yeah. it's, abs- it's absurd to me to look at now. Emmett Smith has 18,300 yards, which when you start to see what these other guys have done, it's nuts that he has 2000 more yards, 1500, I guess, more yards than Walter Payton. Yeah. Um, the Emmett Smith record is it's up there and uh, it's, fair to wonder if that's something that will ever be touched just because of the modern era of football and how passing is so central to the game. And like you said, there's not a lot of just pure runners out there. Maybe the last guy standing is a guy like Derek Henry, who's just a a pure runner, but uh, the running back careers, they kind of get cut short by injuries. So for Frank Gore to just keep going and keep, keep moving and, um, you know, Matthew Barry used to always make the joke that, you know, after the world ended, Frank Gore would still exist. And <laughs> I, I kind of believe it. Um, I think he's done though. Um, he's moved on to boxing matches, I believe actually. Right. Isn't he getting I, in on that Logan Paul money? Yeah. Didn't he get in on some of that Logan Paul money? I think, I think that's where Frank's headed. He's done with the football thing. He's just going to do uh Logan Paul, Jake Paul exhibition boxing matches for the rest of his life. Which, not a bad thing. to. And I get that he's had a lot of wear and tear on his body, but Frank Gore is one of those guys who looks like you would not want to piss off. Like, some guys just look mean and scary, and he's probably the nicest guy in the world. You never hear any bad news about him, him doing anything stupid. But he's just a guy you look at, and you're like, nope, not going to be mean to that guy. Not going to mouth off to him. Uh, probably why he ran for so many yards because guys were probably just afraid to tackle him because like, no, nah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess with that guy. I'm not trying to actually tackle this guy. I'm trying to have a long career. So is, is um, it, is it debatable that he's a hall of famer? Or we just, no, he doesn't have a lot really, of accolades, but you get third on the all time rushing list. He was one, yeah. two, he was a five time pro bowler, no all pro or yeah. Five time pro bowler, no all pro teams though. I think the, I think the longevity of his career and where he is on the all-time rushing list, um, yeah, I think it's it's kind of lock, stock, and barrel that he's going to be a Hall of Famer. No, it, would it surprise me if he isn't first ballot? No, it wouldn't. But I do think he is going to end up in the Hall of Fame just because um, he's kind of become, yeah. He belongs. He definitely belongs. Every other running back who's top 16 in yards is in the Hall of Fame. The only other guy who's not is Adrian Peterson, who I suppose technically isn't formally retired. According to Pro Football Reference, he's he's about 1,100 yards behind Frank Gore as well. He's fifth on the all-time list. So I wonder if he's got that number three spot. I don't know if 1,100 yards is feasible for Adrian Peterson, but he's 300 yards behind Barry Sanders. So he could be coming from that number four spot. Yeah, he could. Um, I think Adrian Peterson is done. I think it's just unofficially official as far as Adrian Peterson's retirement goes. Did he come back to get 100 touchdowns? Wasn't that the deal? I guess he got 120 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I believe he did come back to try and get 100 touchdowns, and he ended up with 120. So Nice. Do you want to talk about basketball movies? I'd love to talk about some basketball movies a little bit. Okay. Circling back to basketball here, and I kind of thought about this the other day. It doesn't feel like there's a great iconic basketball movie. I think there's some famous ones, maybe one that is the exception, but kind of thinking about football has so many 
for me, it's Remember the Titans is the best one. But you've got Varsity Blues. Ba- boxing, of course, has amazing movies. Raging Bull, the Rocky franchise, even baseball with stuff like Field of Dreams, even Major League on the comedy side. It's like, where's the great basketball movie canon? So I've looked at various lists. There seems to be about five of them that are near the top of all the lists. But to me, it doesn't feel like we have great marquee basketball movies, except for maybe one. But I want to get the basketball experts feeling. Why do we not have a great basketball movie, an iconic basketball movie? Or am I being underappreciated, underappreciative of basketball cinema? You know, I, I, I think I would... I would argue that Hoosiers is definitely an iconic movie. That's the one I was leading towards. I think if you ask Uh, the average person a basketball movie, Hoosiers is what comes to mind. But I think if you ask the millennial generation, a lot of them are going to tell you Coach Carter was a very formative movie for them as well. I mean, it came out right around Remember the Titans, you know, not too shortly after Remember the Titans and Samuel Jackson giving a great performance and, is really where a guy, some guy named Channing Tatum kind of got his start into acting was in the Coach Carter movie. Um, Heard of him. So, yeah. Uh, and, you know, just has a lot of memorable lines and a lot of memorable moments. Um, and it's a good story as well. Um, but for the real die, yeah, unless you're a real diehard, I mean, there's classics also like White Men Can't Jump. Um I think we get some more of the fun movies. Maybe they aren't real all timers, but we get some of the more fun movies from like basketball. And I think it can be that way because basketball can kind of be ridiculous at times, but we also get blue chips, um, which I don't know if you've ever seen the movie blue chips, uh, but that was really, it was a, a fictional story about a fake college um, where you got to see a coach do all these things to illegal recruits so he could uh, win in college. Uh, all the things that actually go on, we got to see it played out on the big screen. That was maybe like the start of people thinking, oh, does this stuff really happen in college in college sports? Oh, yeah, it does. And the movie Blue Chips like brought light to it. Um, then if you want to go more towards like the kids – section of basketball air bud is a classic basketball movie i don't know if you want to consider that um an all-timer or anything but i mean i was hoping you were going space jam that's when you said a kid's basketball movies you know space jam up there space jam might be my favorite basketball movie and that's using the word basketball loosely yeah um i hesitate almost to call space jam a basketball movie but yeah the original space jam Oh yeah, the original. Yep. Sorry, I forgot none. Definitely, uh, definitely a big uh, part of my childhood as well. Um, so I loved, I love Space Jam. I still do. Um, a little known movie, maybe a lesser known movie. I should way, uh, should say, um, Celtic Pride. Another it's- good movie. Dan Aykroyd and um, the the Daniel Stern. Who plays a uh, Marvin Home Alone, uh, along with Damian Wayans, who's this basketball player for the Utah Jazz that's just killing the Celtics, and so they decide that the only way to help the Celtics win, well, they run into Damian Wayans at a bar after a Celtics loss to the Utah Jazz, 
they pretend to be big fans of uh, Wayne's character and they end up kidnapping him. Oh, nice. Uh, and decide that that's how they're going to help the Celtics win because they kidnapped uh, Damien Wayans. It also has the really funny, um, they make fun of uh, Charles Barkley's I'm not a role model commercial in that movie. They have Damien Wayans um, redo the whole I'm not a role model thing. And it's really, it's really funny. Um so that's kind of maybe more of the niche, but he got game. Um, we get Ray Allen playing Jesus Shuttlesworth, which is just an incredible, um, incredible basketball name. And then we have Denzel Washington in that movie as his father. So that's, I mean, that's a star-studded movie as well. And then uh, you also have a good, so you have a good range of movies that kind of involve basketball. Right. We have the ones that are centered on just basketball, kind of have comedy movies that have basketball scenes. There's there's been no movie that's been able to quite put it all together. And I also would argue that there's not a single one that simulates basketball action in a really okay, Thank realistic you. or great light. Like um there's been football movies that could simulate a football game that looks really it looks real. It looks true to what you would see on TV when teams are actually playing. But I think basketball movies tend to be a little more over the top with their basketball action. So maybe if we were able to get a movie that simulated more actual basketball action, it would be better. And I think you hit on my exact point. Every one of these basketball movies, I feel like, is always layered in off-the-court drama or something that's that's kind of been my big complaint is where's the where's the basketball movie with great basketball action like i know rocky is absurdly over the top and you're never going to see an actual boxing match in your life that looks that realistic but raging bull i think looks pretty authentic when you watch it varsity or not varsity blues um friday night lights the football i feel like looks very realistic remember the titans gets a little over at skis every once in a while with the action but that looks pretty authentic I think it's kind of the same problem you have with MMA movies. Since the UFC blew up, they've tried to do all these MMA movies and they're all just so absurd. I feel like a lot of the basketball movies have been, like you say, over the top or it's like, you know, love and basketball and these kind of movies where it's all about the off the court relationships and whatever it may be. And that's great for some people, but as a sports fan, show me something where the actual on court is there. And maybe he got game as a close one I can think of because you actually have Ray Allen. Yeah, that's 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 my big complaint is about basketball movies is where's something that really captures the game. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think, you know, Hoosiers might be as close as it comes to that um, to this point. So I think at some point someone will, will pick it up and and make a basketball movie or a TV series that uh it's definitely going to be realistic. I mean, it's it's well past due. Um, you mentioned Friday Night Lights from a football perspective. Uh, you like the movie, but I, I actually like the Friday Night Lights TV show infinitely more than the movie. Um, I think it's way better as a as a TV series than a movie. So oh. maybe, maybe that's what a, what a, the basketball category in movie slash TV needs is just a, a really good TV show because I think things can be played out better over over seasons of a TV show. I mean, if you want to talk about a TV show that involves basketball, 
basketball is not very good. It's again, it's about more off the court stuff. One Tree Hill has oh some basketball has some basketball scenes for you. If you if you really yeah, like. so does High School Musical. What's your point? Yeah, uh, well, maybe High School Musical is the best basketball movie. We didn't we didn't give it enough credit. You didn't even mention the Uncle Drew movie. Uh, I don't need to. I don't need to. <laughs> uh i think uh i think like mike like mike is well ahead of the uncle drew movie Uh, hey i i am a little bit partial to like mike (laughs) i have fond memories of that movie nice and i hate to be this guy i hate when people do this and rarely do i agree with it but friday night lights the book is the best iteration of it i don't totally love the the movie but it's okay i hated that tv show it I I tried to get through the first season and then I couldn't take it anymore. I thought it was I thought it was such an awful show. Oh really? I think it's one of my top oh, shows man. of all time. Every everybody tells me to oh stick with it, try the later seasons after it moved to wasn't it like one of the first streaming shows that like went went from like a network to Peacock. I don't know. It moved around, but I remember watching the original season, first season or two, and it was like the kids never aged. It was a new season, but everybody who was on the football team last year was still a senior. It's like, how do none of you ever graduate? Your entire team was really good freshmen. Continuity. Listen, I I think it was I think it was way better than what you're remembering. I think you need to go yeah. back and watch it, and it's it's actually way better than what you're you're remembering. I think Friday nights is an all timer, and Coach Taylor is one of my favorite football coaches. I wish I had a football coach like Coach Taylor. Add it to the list of TV shows that I'm behind on watching. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's that's too bad for you. Sorry. Have you one last movie here? Then we'll get out of here. Have you seen Glory Road? I'm looking at a bunch of these lists, and I yeah. kind of thought Glory Road was a flash in the pan movie that nobody watched, nobody liked, but it's consistently in like a top five or top ten of these best basketball movies, kind of up there with the White Man Can't Jump and the He Got Games. Yeah, I did watch Glory Road. I did think it was a decent movie. I mean, um, it's a little bit Disney-fied. I would like ah. to see – I would maybe like to see that movie um, be done in a little bit more of an, a, an adult way because I think it's more of an adult story. Um, you know, you can't really show maybe some of the stuff that that team actually went through in a Disney-fied movie. So, um, yeah, I think it just needs a harder, darker DC Comics reboot. Ooh. That's I mean, not DC, not DC Comics, but you know what I mean? Yeah, DC yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit more authentic. And... Yep. Yeah, Disney's really done a good job of that, of taking what could be great sports stories. And I don't know what the term is for it, but yeah, Disney fine. Yeah, I can't think of a better verb where they, to take <laughs> yeah. away the real hard parts and the real authentic truths of it and, they did it with Remember the Titans. Remember the Titans is a Disney movie, but they kind of got a little bit more edgy with that one. There's a lot of movies that if somebody who wasn't Disney made them, you could get a lot more attached to the characters and the drama. Right. Right. But it, yeah, it needs a, the Glory Road story, the story of the Texas Western team needs an, in any given Sunday type movie made about it. Not, not a Disney movie. Right. You want to start being Ebert and Roper? We can become film reviewers. <laughs> For sports movies only? Maybe. Yeah. Like um, four sports movies that come out every year. I did see Top Gun Maverick. That's they they play football. Yeah. Um, which by the way, 
incredible movie. I mean, I don't know if we should become Ebert and Roper, but okay. Top Gun Maverick far surpassed the original for me. See, I still haven't seen the original, which I, I mean, I've heard enough about it that I kind of got the gist of it. Like I knew what to expect, but I good movie, but I'm not obsessed about it the way everybody else over the last week it seems everybody's talking about how it's such an amazing movie good movie fun movie if you like airplane stunts go check it out but yeah i think solid, it's solid b plus for me solid a for me solid a for me so i'm not going to give it an a plus but uh you know again it's got 99 percent audience score on rotten tomatoes 97 percent overall so must be doing something right. Maybe it's, it's just that Miles Teller dance that everybody loves. I do like Miles, Miles Teller, Teller is doing, good in it. Miles Teller doing a dance with his with his shirt off on the beach is just something that everybody loves, I guess. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to get to before we leave this week and you can go watch the Warriors whoop up on the Celtics? Uh no, I think that's that's pretty much it. So Warriors going to win game one, and uh, it'll be too late for you by the time you're listening to this to this podcast to bet it. But uh, maybe you can bet game two because, as I said, uh, Warriors going up 2-0, I think. If, if I do my due diligence, I'll have this edited and posted before the second half starts so you can do the second half lines. Yep, second half, if the Warriors are down, bet them. They're coming back. They're winning game one. I, I don't care what anybody says. They, they've got game one in the bag. Steph Curry's going for more than 30 tonight. I hope so. I hope he's going for more 30, four threes, and four threes for Clay as well. So <laughs> just some oddly specific numbers. Yeah, weird. Weird thing to cheer for. Some oddly specific things that I'll be cheering for. I won't actually be enjoying the game and breaking it down for this podcast. I'll be cheering for some oddly specific things to happen. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Andrew, for joining us. Going to give Andrew a little bit of a break. I say that. We'll see what happens. Got a couple of the other guys on schedule there in Italy, making it hard to do the show. But had to have Andrew jump in here and be the cleanup hitter and savior for us. So thank you, everybody, for joining us on Episode 61 of the Sports Gospel. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, sportsgospel.com. We thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you.